Welcome to the Vagabond Actors Podcast. We are excited to have you with us for a discussion about one of the biggest topics in the acting world, character. What is character? What do we mean when we talk about character? How do we go about developing characters? And so much more. Joining me as always, my supremely talented colleagues, some of the top acting teachers in Europe. We have Gary Condis based in London. Hello, Gary. Hello, Andrea. That is very kind of you and a brilliant <laughs> introduction. Thank you very much. <laughs> and Brian Casp based in Prague. Hi, Brian. Hello. How's everyone doing today? We're doing great. Very great. well, thank you. As I say, in the UK, even if I've had a shite day, I feel really, <laughs> really feel so energized when I'm with the two of you. So you, I really have a lovely time every time we connect. Aw, that's yeah. so sweet. Yes. Listen, if you wouldn't know if an English person had a shite day because they're so polite <laughs> that you would never know. They'd go, yes, it was, but it was so put, put a positive spin on it. I mean, just think, Hugh Grant. Yes, it's been a really shite day, but it's been fantastically shite. Yeah. <laughs> best shite, the best shite that ever there was. <laughs> That's good to know. Well, I'm excited about this conversation that we're going to have uh, on this episode because. Well, we'll talk about why I'm excited, but really there's so there's such richness in this aspect of our work and uh, it's where we've seen I think all of us have seen students really flourish and uh, so I'm excited to get into it with you both. But before we start as we always do we sort of check in on what's happening in your creative lives and uh, if there's anything you want to share before we get into our main topic. What's happening in Prague and London this week? been doing a lot of creative stuff but i'm starting now to roll out courses and classes online uh, as well as doing my one-to-one coaching so i've been pretty business-minded and sort of functional and getting all that admin together and getting zoom accounts sorted and 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 that kind of thing and preparing myself for my first course on monday so yeah it's whereas it's been quite sort of a unique experience up until now where it's been sort of free-flowing, dipping myself into lots of creative pursuits as well as keeping my coaching going. It's it's kind of my head's been turned now to actual work. So it feels like from next week, I'm going to be kind of more on a working schedule. Mm. I'm used to sort of running a 12-week intensive course, which obviously lasts for three months, and, and I devote myself to that. And so, mm. yeah, it's sort of reversing back to putting my concentration on bigger things that will take more of my time, singular time, if you like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited about it because I have missed it. And, you know, I've been very much one-to-one. And now um, I'm going to be sort of, you know, 12 or 14 to one, albeit still, you know, virtually. But, mm-hmm. you know, getting closer. Good for you. Brian, what's happening in Prague? You've got your classes going? I- yeah, my classes are going. Uh, we're going to start scenes in mm-hmm. my acting class, which is a, always a, a thrill when students get their first scene and uh, start to realize that the work has just begun. It's a little shock to the system. It's so funny. Everyone is so eager to get to text because when you're, when you're doing a Meisner class, you don't get to the written text for a while, at least not in the way that I have studied it and teach it. And everyone is always chomping at the bit. And when are we going to get to scenes and scenes and scenes and scenes and text, text, text. And when you get there, you realize, oh, this is just, we've already been doing this. It's just different words. There's something to just being where you are in your training that is that is also nice and not rushing to get to the next thing. I I was just thinking about this project that I had planned to do and started doing. And it is gardening on my balcony. And I just looked out the window and my fledgling tomato plant is really not doing well. And I don't, I don't want that to be emblematic of how I do projects. (laughs) Um, But I, I think I need more practice as a gardener, to be honest. I really, I really was going to be like, I'm, I'm locked at home. I have a balcony. I'm going to make vegetables. So we don't have to be, to be honest, I was making vegetables just in case the global market collapsed, which is not, you know, on a balcony, you're not going (laughs) to. Did you build a bunker as well? Did you dig down into a bunker? 
No, I didn't make a bunker. I just, I don't know. I have these. I'm so weird, you guys. I'm such a weirdo. And now, you know, these tomatoes are dying, and I don't know what's going on. So. Sorry, I'm still laughing. I'm it's just fine. picturing it's fine. eating your whole family in your balcony. Oh, my God. No, you look at them and they're just wilting. And I don't know Aww. if it's because there was a frost, because I'm watering too much or not enough. I don't. If you have tips, guys, about mm. gardening, I, I, although this is another thing that's happening, is my is you express an interest in anything. And instantly, everyone who knows you starts to send you examples of those things and articles of, that are written about that thing and all kinds of things. You know, like one time my mother-in-law ex- expressed an interest in, in turtles. And now for years, on, the only thing she gets are turtle-based things, turtle tchotchkes, <laughs> turtle cups, turtle socks, turtle anything, because that's something that people can latch onto to give you. It's really an interesting, I know it's not really acting related, but it's, it, this is my life, you guys. This is my life. Dead tomatoes on the balcony. <laughs> it's the title of my memoir, I guess. Yeah. Oh, oh goodness! So that's what's going on with me. That's my artistic thing. Is I, I'm a terrible gardener. What about you, Andrea? What are you up to? Well, I've been working on. I'm a little bit scattered uh, these days. There's so many things that I want to do, and then so many opportunities present themselves with really quick turnaround times. It's like, I don't know. It's it's sort of like the audition race multiplied because there are so many things that are coming up digitally and on social media where a casting director says, Hey, by tomorrow, send me a one minute monologue. Would love to take a look at it. And you're like, Oh, oh, okay, that will be fun. And then you're, you know, I'll have to post a picture of this. Then there's me, you know, like with my crazy setup in my, in my house here trying to, you know, create lighting and conditions that are proper for a self tape. And, 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 and you're just scrambling around trying to make something inventive. And last night something came up and had been posted the day before. And it's a really interesting guy out of the UK and, uh, and I like what he's, what he's writing about. And he had said, Hey, actors, I would love to do, you know, a project sort of based in, in this time period. And so send me in you know, like a one minute comedic audition, or here's, here's a tiny script. Have fun with it. So I read the script and I said, Oh, I know what most actors are going to do with this, but I had a different, slightly different idea. And I was so excited to try the idea. And it was already after midnight and my daughter wanted me to get her to bed and my husband was turning in. Everybody needed my attention. And I was like, guys, I got to go put on some makeup and I got to go get a scarf and I got to go into the, I've got to go into my zone for a little bit. I'm just need to try something and see if this concept I have in mind works. And, you know, you could see the rolling of the eyes like she's going back in. We thought we had her and it's midnight and she's going back in to try something, you know. It was a little bit of frustration feeling sometimes like I'm I'm at this crossing point with analog activities in a digital world, you know, trying to make something magical happen through space and time and through this own makeshift studio that I've got here. And um, sometimes it's it's a little wonky, but, uh, but I'm trying. I wanted to know, Andrea, where do you find, where do you find these auditions? Like, so what do you do to find these auditions? You're, you're not really working with an agent at this point, are you? I'm still, I'm looking for a European agent. Uh, I have some, you know, some irons in the fire, but I, I am looking still for European agency and I'm very tight with my manager based out of Los Angeles. And there are still some submissions that I am suitable for and could do. And at the same time, there's, there's a lot of work happening on Twitter. A lot of casting directors are using Twitter as one of their main platforms at the moment. And they're posting, you know, challenges we had talked a while back about, you know, show real share day and things like that. And so these kind of things are being posted. And when people have creative projects, they're, they're reaching out to the acting community via that, that social media platform. And there's some really fun stuff out there. So check out some hashtags and there are a few people to follow. We can, we can add that information, um, to our own posts, but there's some great people to follow that you can really become engaged. And if nothing else, you can be practicing your self-taping skills. That's right. 
Mm-hmm. There's a whole yeah. I mean, that is it's that's what's what's kind of happened du- during this time. There's a whole culture of it, and and, and I think now leading practitioners are are starting to do that. I saw um uh, a tweet on Twitter about from um, a director from the Almeida Theatre, you know, a really mm-hmm. great off West End theatre in the UK, and and just literally he said, um, I'm thinking of doing a directing workshop for emerging directors. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And there was, you know, within seconds, there was lots of people mm-hmm. answering that. So I think it's, it's people now are doing it more and more and being encouraged to do it. And, uh, and, and, and from the bottom up and from the top down, I think it's just reached across the board now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think Twitter is a very good source for not just jobs, but, um, but also workshops and connections and networks and all the rest of it. That's right. Great. Let's move on. <laughs> How about that? How's that for a subtle transition? <laughs> Moving on. This episode of the Vagabond Actors Podcast is brought to you by our friends at We Audition. Now, look, we all know that auditioning in a pandemic sucks. You can't find the right partner. And if you do find the right partner, how are you going to connect with them in real time and have the read be seamless? Well, We Audition can help with that. They make it easy to find a partner and they take care of all of the technical stuff so that you can focus on what really matters, your audition and being awesome. Not only does We Audition allow you to find partners that can help you really kick ass, you can be a partner that helps other people really kick ass and get paid for it. There's other really great benefits to being a We Audition member. You can have one-on-ones with top casting directors, you can get career advice from industry professionals, and a lot more. Right now, We Audition is offering a discount on membership to Vagabond Actors listeners when you sign up with the promo code VAGABOND25. So just go to weaudition.com, click on sign up, then click on the link where it says promo code. Put Vagabond Actors 25 in the box and you'll get 25% off your membership. Now, back to the show. I want to talk about this subject that has always, always fascinated me and it continues to be a huge fascination. And, and that is the subject of character or characterization. It's a huge topic and it's a minefield, just like we found with objectives. You know, the craft elements of acting can be minefields because they tend to be associated with with a lot of different schools and, and techniques and, and all the rest of it. But, I, you know, I just love finding out about different approaches into character and into a role and, and the mechanics of how actors work. So I've always really been fascinated by that end of things. And, and, and the reason why I wanted to address it here is, is this notion of, of character, let's say, inverted commas. It's such a varied and hot topic of debate between schools and between methods of working, and it's it's often very divisive. And knowing that you guys are, are, are very much, I mean, myself too, but you guys are very much, for, you know, schooled in the Meisner technique and from that and teach it and, and are kind of purists in that in that sense. Just wanted to start off by by asking, what does character mean to you, and how do you deal with it, Brian? Yeah, it's a fascinating topic because it differs based on what position you're looking at it from. For people who don't really know, I I think, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, that generally in a technique like the Meisner technique, the emphasis is not on becoming somebody else, that it is being more truly yourself in different imaginary situations. And so the idea of what is a character in some schools or some schools of thought is, oh, I'm going to become somebody else and that will give me freedom to have behaviors that I wouldn't normally let myself have. And in my training, for sure, and in my experience in performing, I don't generally feel like I become someone else. I tend to think of character as a certain set of behaviors, which are the words that you say, the maybe the way that you move, the, the behaviors that are described in the script of the things that you need to do. So it's a certain set of behaviors 
that in certain cases, like the words, I would need to adopt those behaviors. And in certain cases, those behaviors as described in a script might define for me an emotional or psychological state that would help me to experience the psychology of it so that I might and probably will have those behaviors that are described in the script. Although it's not like you read, oh, he cries, and then you just try to cry at that place. You you read, he cries, that allows you to infer some kind of emotional or psychological state about what the meaning of what's happening is. And then that inferred emotional state would mean something to me as the actor personally, and that meaning would help me to cry. And so it's a roundabout way, but feels when you do it more truthful and more flexible than just what we would call being presentational, which is just presenting the exterior of a character or certain characteristics of a person that you don't actually feel on the inside. So for me, it's always me. There is no external character that I become, although people watching me might think, oh, that's somebody else because the behaviors that I have are different from my normal behaviors. Well, I I love this topic. For me, the simplest way to describe how I think of it, I believe, is to say that you know, we have our ranges of what we call straight behavior, behavior that's relatively clearly linked to how we are in our normal everyday lives. And there's a wide range of (laughs) behavior that encompasses uh, any actor in their day-to-day lives. But a character work is something that is not necessarily out of your straight behavior. And the exploration of that can be so rewarding. And sometimes it's just a small, slight adjustment in the way you think about something, the way you move. It can be a a physical impediment. It can be an impediment uh, such as being drunk all the time. It can be an impediment such as an addiction, but of course, and there's an emotional component to that. It can be uh, an injury. It can be, you can think of a dialect that way. You know, all of these things are, are ways in which you can slide. I like to think of it as sliding a bit for myself, sliding out of your regular everyday behavior into something else. And, and oftentimes when you, begin that journey, you find other beautiful pieces. So let's say, let me give an example. I did a play a number of years ago, and I don't know if we've spoken about this yet. It's a Lanford Wilson play called Burn This. And it was very, very important to me, this project. I felt very strongly about the piece. And I knew that just from who I was at that point in my life, I understood it, right? This was part of my compulsion to do this piece. I understood it. So I could have approached it from mostly from my own straight behavior, but there were a couple of key pieces to my character named Anna that were really important for me to explore. She was a ballerina. She is a ballet dancer who became a choreographer and who was exploring her desire to choreograph, her questions about her value as a choreographer. This is a key part of her of her role and where she was in the story. She had very, very strong relationships with the three men in the story. Each was very specific. And the circumstances uh, at the opening of the play are that her very best friend has died. And so there's, there are very strong emotional circumstances that one has to live out. And I understood all of those things just out of myself, but there were key elements that I really needed to go into a little bit of a shift for. And the dance was a part of that for me. So I did start going to dance oriented, uh, workout classes and I worked with a choreographer and dancer. I needed to find out, you know, dancers or dancers. I mean, they have very specific relationships to their bodies. And I absolutely needed to incorporate that into my work and that there would be learnings as I, as I did that, you know, just in terms of how I moved, how I bent over to pick something up off the floor was different 
as Anna than it was as Andrea. And in doing that, I learned something else about the psychology of the piece and my feelings about everything. So sometimes it can be just that. And other times it's more extreme. It's somebody whose life is quite unlike yours, maybe at another point in time of history, in fact. And you really need to take a great leap of the imagination and find your way into it. The script will give you a great deal of guidance. And then there's that other piece, which really is about your own creativity. To me, it really depends on, you know, what the demands are in terms of what kind of a movement away from your, your straight behavior you need to make. But it's a really beautiful piece of the work that we do. For many of these projects, I seek out music that gets me in a certain kind of a space, music that the character likes or music that moves me into the place that I need to be in emotionally. And um, I, ha- I have sort of soundtracks for many of the roles that I've played. And, um, and that's a fun way to do it without, without feeling at all dependent on that to move me anywhere. It just sort of frees up my mind and allows my instinct to kick in more when I, when I set myself to some music. And to this day, I can hear some songs and I'm right back into that character. Yeah. It's, I mean, you just both demonstrated that there's commonalities there's overlapping and there's words that you use that are the same and there's also slightly different use of language but perhaps firing in the same direction and it's such a personal thing i mean certainly certain schools have certain ways of teaching it you know you've got great practitioners who who lean on certain aspects of it but the main argument for me that i always come across is does the notion of character actually exist mm-hmm. if you lean towards a sort of meisner or david mamet area it's kind of no it doesn't because it's just sort of words on a page and it's you and then you can go to other places you know maybe sort of stanislavski or even method or even stella adler and it's like yes it does mm-hmm. i kind of straddle both just to make things easier or even more difficult, depending on how you look at it. Does the notion of character actually exist? And for me, it's yes and no. And no, in the sense that you can't be someone else, as Brian said. There is Mm -hmm. only you. Anything else is psychotic. And any other idea which puts you in danger of playing from the head rather than organically is, is, is not helpful if you're thinking of somebody else outside of you. And no in the sense that there is no such thing as character. There is just words on a page, which is a very Meisner-inflected way of looking at things. And further down the line, um, David Mamet picks that up. If there was such thing as character, then all Hamlets would be the same. Mm-hmm. But Mamet goes on, also goes on to say that, you know, you can only create the illusion of character in the eyes of the audience. So you have to create, in line with the imaginary circumstances, what you can practically, and then the audience will do the rest. You know, Meryl Streep, again, says, it's not about being someone different. Right. It's finding the similarity in what is apparently different mm-hmm. and then finding in there you know and to me that's looking at the internal aspect of things Mm -hmm. it's you up there yes you never stop being you you cannot be anyone other than you there's that well-worn phrase character is you adjusted I, i i go along with all of that and how much of you what aspects of you how deeply and with what range is dependent on your expressiveness Uh, combined with the creative choices you make. I mean, how much can you stretch yourself? And that depends on the training and who you are and all the rest of it, right? So no, character doesn't exist in that sense because the danger is you'll make it an idea outside of yourself Mm -hmm. that you'll play objectively, as Brian said, presentationally, and that can lead to caricature, empty indication, and all the rest of it. But yes, Character does exist, Um, you know, no, but also yes. And what do I mean? Well, yes, in the sense that we can't ignore that the writer has written a character that has specific needs and motivation and does certain things and behaves in certain ways and takes certain actions. If you are diligent enough to spot these in the text, that reveals a certain psychology. Mm -hmm. You've got to connect yourself with that, but Mm -hmm. also got to adjust to that and as Elia Kazan said acting is the art of turning psychology into behavior that's right um both of you have mentioned behavior and both of you have mentioned about adjusting into behavior and that requires characterizing and what I mean by that is creating the physical behavior whether it's instinctive 
or through choice, whether it's prescribed in the text or created yourself using imaginative choice. Mm -hmm. Working, for me, on character demands that you shake yourself up, Mm -hmm. adjust yourself demands of the piece, raise yourself up to the role internally and externally rather than dragging it down to suit you. And for me, that requires internal and external work. And the two aren't mutually exclusive. And Mm -hmm. when actors say to me, are you an internal and external actor? I'm going, it's fucking ridiculous. I'm both. (laughs) How can you be one or the other? Yeah. you divorce one from the other and i've got a i've got a thing about this which might as well with characterization there's you know some actors probably old school actors or, or or ones that don't necessarily concentrate on the internal side of things is you know some actors hide behind wigs and false noses and they they focus on the external and as we've said are, are very presenta- presentational and indicate and play this cerebral idea of a character that is objective and they don't personally connect to it and bring their truth to it. But also an equal pet peeve of mine is the other more contemporary tendency uh, that seems to be satisfied in just focusing on internal truth Mm -hmm. and being real and ending up playing themselves or their everyday selves mostly and make no effort to characterise because they think that going away from themselves is a dilution of truth. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a real contemporary tendency. Maybe I'm showing my age. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just showing I my don't think so. Oh, good, good. It's not as interesting. Right. And right? You, yeah, if, you're, if you're just doing yourself all the time, it's not interesting after a while. I, I would get bored of it. Right, right. I, you have to at least try to explore how is this behavior different from what I would ordinarily do. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon, I mean, it's a sort of tendency now or, or am I, am I, is it, am I kind of mistaking it or am I making too much of it? I feel it's a real contemporary tendency not to characterize as much as I perhaps used to as a, as an actor, or I'm seeing that more, or maybe it's what I'm getting in class where you ask actors to push themselves into behaviors that they don't normally associate with and they find it one odd but also very difficult to do and i don't know whether it's sort of more tv more film or more camera work people are videoing themselves i I, you know maybe people have lost their roots with theater which tended to be a little bit more theater type training which tended to be a little bit more pushing for that and one can characterize you know i I use this word a lot characterize and it's something i use a lot in class to drag my actors out of this casual acceptance of their mere truth into Mm -hmm. something more playful Mm -hmm. more embodied and, and even, dare I say, sort of poetic and, and artistic. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you can do this in many ways, right? Uh, to quote Meisner, a character is how you do what you do. Mm-hmm. You can do that through actions and tactics and the quality of that, relationship to props, mm-hmm. emotional choices, mm-hmm. research cost, physicality, voice rhythm, all these things. Play, right? You dress up and play. Things like actions, which are, you know, the building blocks of behavior for me, tactics, if you like, you can call it, mm-hmm. or intentions, other people call it that, but I like to call it actions because it does what it says on the tin. It's action. <laughs> and um, for me, that's the key to character. Yes, it's you doing it. And yes, you're bringing your own emotions to it. And hopefully you've empathized and personalized and substituted and all whatever you need to do. But acting without that is inartistic. And characterizing is when acting becomes art. If you are just playing from truth, your own minimal bandwidth or your everyday bandwidth, then that can only serve you so far in relation to all the many genres and the many styles, right? And that's why you have to have a wide toolkit and you have to think bigger because you can't approach a Lars von Trier film like you're approaching a French farce. If you're making character choices purely for the fun of it, then that might be interesting, but it might ultimately fail because it's not serving the story. It's important to look at the choices that you're making in terms of what characterizations or what extra behaviors am I going to explore here as an instrument of telling the specific story for your own character's arc and also how that relates to the wider story. And so there's a few different levels. But then there is a level of interpretation that comes in and that's one's creative part and imagination that can come in into it and you know and when does that start when does that begin there's only so much that is prescribed in the in the script 
Um, right. But I'm just saying, if it's just sensational for sensational, of just be just to be sensational, then that's not an, a good thing. Sure. No, absolutely. Which I think we can all agree on, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but also that 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 can be a tricky line. Where does it start and where does it end? That, that's do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's because, well, that's why you need a director. Exactly, and you know you could justify just about bloody anything if you were if you were intelligent enough and you were informed enough and understood the piece. You could, but it doesn't mean it's right. Right. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's translate. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also tr- part of the challenge, isn't it? Though, because what we're talking about is a, is a fairly advanced level of craft, ultimately, and it, because it has to arise out of the script, it can't just be you making some arbitrary choices and then trying to place them on top of a script. It's not how it works, and I think that is one of the challenges, particularly of of less experienced actors when they get into text work is that they may, they may have interesting ideas, uh, but it may not be supported by the script. And one of the things that you're right, Brian, in the Meisner work, when you're talking about your class's desire right now to jump into text, you know, there's a reason why we like to get them to a truthful place of functioning, functioning with an organic connection to one another and getting to know themselves well intimately so that when we take on text work, they are already like deep in the soup of their own emotional lives and they're facile with their ability to name and recognize and explore behavior. And Mm -hmm. it's still it's still a challenge for actors to not read into the material. In the Meisner program, one of the things that we, that we do to help get into character work is, is fantasy work. And I don't know, um, Gary, if you, if you do this with the students, but just to briefly sort of explain, a fantasy is done, it's normally at the late, intermediate, early, advanced work for for my students. It's being alone in your home on stage and you choosing to live out something. Now, you know that you are engaging in a fantasy. That's your circumstance. You're home alone. Nobody's supposed to come knocking. You don't have to be anywhere else. And for some compelling reason that only you know you want to live out winning the world series winning an academy award saying goodbye to your father before he passes because you never got to before singing back up for joe cocker arriving in heaven and talking to god whatever it is you live give yourself permission to just live this out as freely as you can on stage. And often this work really, really helps actors to find some courage to jump into behavior that's outside of their normal behavior. And it Mm -hmm. can be in and of itself, it can be a springboard into character work. And then sometimes we go into then what we call character fantasies, which is you grab on to grab onto something physical that changes your behavior in some way. And you add that to your fantasy and see what happens. And I mean, I I have a student who just sent me a, a full length screenplay that he's written that was born out of a character fantasy that he did. It's a way, and I've seen this work for so many students, especially students, you know, who, who maybe feel a little bit locked into their straight behavior or are highly judgmental or critical of their own work. Um, sometimes this fantasy work can really blow them wide open and get them engaged in a fun way with their acting again, taking a really big swing in a playful, creative way. And uh, it can bear 
terrific fruit. And I think it's essential, that kind of work. And I think it's been lost in a lot of classes that are very much business orientated, dealing with TV auditions and Mm. sort of regular spots on regular genre-driven TV dramas. You need to start with the self and learn to become vulnerable and open and more emotional. All the early work that particularly the Meisner technique does. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people only get to to the sort of first year, as you mm-hmm. call it, and forget that there is a whole lot more, particularly in the Meisner <laughs> technique. But right. it, and it's it's actually the first few months of the whole training. And and and, and I, I think it's an you know, we've touched on this Brian touched on it with his opera analogy. It's it's um it's this, it's it, and that's what marks out for me the you know a very uh, the good actors from the very good actors, or or the the sort of everyday actors from the from the creative and artistic actors that and this this ability to make choices that still are connected with the piece and don't seem out of mm-hmm. out of place or disconnected or just showing off. And you know, for me, a bold choice is not is not a fantastical choice. It's a deep choice that reveals something about yeah. the character. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a lot of it is laid out, but there's other times where, as well as your own truth, there is the imaginative, creative part of it, and that can go awry for sure. Mm-hmm. It comes out of a reasonable conjecture, mm-hmm. as Stanislavski called it, which is, if I've got all these this information about this character then I can reasonably conjecture that they have an overinflated view of their sexuality or whatever it is. And from that, you can maybe start to create certain tendencies, which is, you know, we're talking about their psychology. I mean, you know, you think you talk about Marsha in The Seagull. She wears black, right? Why do you always wear black? <laughs> exactly. You can't ignore that and you can take that and you can just go, okay, what does that actually really mean? What does that really mean to her? And there should be other facts throughout the piece that allows you to 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 connect to that, and you get a sense of who she is. And you know, maybe she's over dramatizing her life or the, her 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 woes in her life to draw attention. And so then, from that, what kind of behaviors are starting to get? get sort of rising in my in my in my creativity and what what can i create in order to reveal that this woman is actually not in mourning for her life but actually she is pretending to be in mourning for her life and wanting mm-hmm. the attention uh like a teenage goth <laughs> punk goth might want you know and and that is then taking a fact and maybe just riffing on it a little mm-hmm. to create. Um, but then you've got to, as you say, Brian, then you've got to kind of go, you know, how far can I go? Uh, then it's your sensibility, your artistic sensibility in relation to that piece and the director and all the rest of it. How far can I go with this? Yeah. But there's got to be a, a, an imaginative. There's what's laid down. I'll do that. Great. But there's also we get chances with characters to be able to be a bit more creative and 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 from that reasonable conjecture, create behavior that will reveal something deeper about this person. Mm-hmm. And you get it. It's your point of view of that character. Then that's artistic. You can live and die by that, and people will dislike it or like it. Mm-hmm. But you gotta. But they'll respect it. God damn it. <laughs> well, let's hope. So. <laughs> um, listening to you, Gary, just now, I want. I kind of wanted to synthesize some of the stuff that I'm hearing about the certain stages that we were talking about, about how you might go about creating a character slash behavior that is outside of your straight, normal behavior. Um, and so it seems like it's a, a good place to start is learning how to deeply and uh, dramatically analyze a script so that you can look into the text, the text, the, the stage direction, the action, what everyone is saying, and start to infer, take certainly the surface behavior, but also infer from those clues that the author has left you, what is the deeper behavior or the psychological behavior of it. And then from that, you look at your own truth, you as an actor, 
what what does that mean to me? And then from that, you might say, how is that going to express itself in behavior? And the work with the the fantasies, the work with the character fantasies, the work even I was thinking about, you know, and this is not really a part of the Meisner technique as far as I know, but things that other techniques do, like what is the character's walk? How quickly, how, how slowly, how, what kind of animal is your character? You know, these kind of exercises are all really exercises in exploring behavior that is not native to the actor. And so how does that psychology express itself in certain behavior, which could be how you talk, what you wear, how you, be, how you move? And then also when going the other way from the outside in, so when you're working with other people, other departments like costumes and, and makeup and set design will all have clues as to how this set of behavior slash character that you are creating interacts with the world. And so those externalities, or it might be a, a physical impediment or something that was not coming out of the psychology of the piece, but, uh, or I mean, they're obviously linked, but it's not directly coming out of the, of the psychology, but those externalities will also reverberate inwards and hit off of your understanding of the piece and your interpretation of the piece. And so those can also strengthen and say, actually, because of this piece of costume, that's going to make me stretch my neck out quite a bit. And that's going to reverberate off of my sense of pride or my sense of um, insecurity or something like that. And and those things will all synthesize together. So I, I love what you said, Gary, that it's it's both, yes, there is character and no, there is not character. And yes, it is external. And yes, it is also in internally based it's all of it all together right when someone says my character would not do that <laughs> i'm going the no part of does character exist will yeah. go well there is no fucking character so how do you know you know how do you know well right. i have i have certain ideas of it okay you could you could argue with me about your character but i say you even have to go a step further and go bef- rather than getting hung up on that is what do I want to reveal about mm. this character in this situation with this person right. that will give insight and illuminate to the audience outside? Mm-hmm. And that's when the creative um, self comes in. And it can be something that happens instinctive through rehearsal or you just daydreaming or you wake up in the middle of the night and it comes to you or it just comes to you in the moment or – you can make a conscious choice because of maybe because of those things um, or you have a feeling about it and want to try it out and then you try and embed it in and, and try and, f- and find a way to put it in just in the same way as if you've got to do a limp, it's going to feel fake until you absorb it into you mm-hmm. or an accident that's foreign from you. And, you know, the, the classic thing, which I think we've mentioned before, and I know you said, Brian, is that you get an, an actor to do something in class and maybe an action, you know, you know, it's like, and they go, well, it feels fake. And I'm going, well, it, it will feel fake in relation to the narrow <laughs> yeah, bandwidth. You haven't done it before. <laughs> into the narrow, yeah, in relation to the narrow bandwidth of your everyday behavior. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it's not fake. It feels, it's just uncomfortable. You know, it's, I, I get, I get actors, I go, beg, get on your knees and just beg. I don't care. There's no reason for it. You don't, there's no motivation, but you understand the behavior of begging. And it feels, None of, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I begged, you know. Uh, I'm just trying to remember some ex-girlfriend. But, I mean, uh, but, you know. <laughs> that you got on your knees? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a tricky thing. You know, one doesn't do it all the time. And these things do it help you to expand. And I think these actions and these, these tactics or doings, they help you to expand. And I think it's important for actors to try these out. Um, but... There is this thing that it's if you're asking yourself not just how would my character act or be, which I think is a bit of a moot point, it's more about how do you, the actor, want to use yourself mm-hmm. to reveal something about the psychology which you've got a lot of information about and have made some creative artistic choices about that you live and die by. Yes. How do you reveal that to the audience by mm-hmm. some kind of and it, it doesn't have to be physical it can be like you said tempo rhythm of voice and physicality or, mm-hmm. you know it's a 
whole thing. And I just go, why would you not want to try and deal with all of these things in the fun of acting? Mm-hmm. You know, for sure. And obvious, of course, some roles require um, less of that, and some require more of that. But it should be there to be ticked off or at least to be considered at all times. And, mm-hmm. you know, and just one and certainly thing. in a class too. Certainly oh, yeah. in a class, got to push those boundaries. And, you know, and another thing is conversely, you know, we're talking about character is how you do what you do and what you do that reveals. It's also, you know, you can a way into character to, 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 to sort of get away from yourself is what don't I do? What doesn't my character do? You can, you know, eliminate, you can do it for a process of elimination. What does this character not tend to do? Well, they, they, they're quite shy. So they don't seem to be very vocal or very aggressive in their behavior from, from the information I've got. Okay. Let me eliminate that then. And just by doing that, that opens up the doorway into something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but Talking about Daniel Day-Lewis, um, you brought up Andrea. Mm-hmm. He prepares his physical choices, his actions, and he repeats them every take. Mm-hmm. He does the same physical action every take. And it's there is an absolute emotional and, and psychological power to mm-hmm. his behavior. It's never general. Mm-hmm. And it shows a complete dedication to the choice he makes that is mm-hmm. so committed mm-hmm. to the specificity of every action. Now, we like spontaneity and we've got to find the moment. And people are also afraid of if they explore different behaviors and then they stick to them because of characterization that they can't be in the moment and they can't be spontaneous. But that is the true art of acting is to be able to adopt different ways of operating, let's say, than you would do normally and still be able to be in the moment and maybe be spontaneous, but be very definite and specific in how you operate. I mean, that's the holy grail. Yeah, there's always constraints. No matter what branch of acting you're doing, there's always constraints. You you cannot walk out of your light if you're in theater. And when you're doing a show that has tracks, you have to be where you need to be when you need to be there. Right. And, and if you're not there, you're going to hear about it from the stage manager. Similarly with, with on-camera work, if you're moving around a lot because you feel it that way and that's what your character would do, but you're out of the shot, you're screwed, you know? So there are always, whether it's self-imposed or not, there are always physical and technical restraints on how much you can let out of your behavior. So it's not an excuse to say, well, I was restrained in following my bliss in terms of the behavior, and so I couldn't fill it with opinion and life and all of that stuff. That's, like you said, Gary, that's the job. Yeah, exactly. Daniel Day-Lewis is renowned for taking a great deal of time before deciding on committing to a script, and then once he's committed to a script, on working it. I read a long time ago, I don't know if this is true, but it's it's a fantasy I, I personally have, that he has on his property a cabin where he goes to do his work, and nobody bothers him there. Oh, it's my dream. I can just go to a little house and somebody else is going to take care and of And he has an au pair who can put his kids to bed. Exactly, He's, he's and got a beautiful a- wife, Rebecca, is, you know, she takes care of everything else. I don't know. Somebody exactly. takes care of the other stuff while he's doing the work. And he rides to the cabin on a white stallion. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the, the concept of the dedication to the preparation for something, when those choices are brewing in him and he's considering all of it, you know, I have great respect for that. And the thing is, not that we want actors to get the impression that the only job that you have to do is to come up with the action of the scene and do it over and over again. Yes, if that's what's called for. However, to do it over and over again with life and presence. So to be fully present in each take, to have life in your eyes, to be truly listening, to be truly responding, and making sure that what you're doing is coming out of the moment before. If you're just going through the motions, we see that. So I would venture to say that part of his mastery is this enormous preparation, but also 
you know, being really fully committed in each take to doing that thing to the best of his ability and being present for it, you know, right. never, never calling it in. And so that's the thing that, that, um, I think, you know, I want to make sure we, we express that it's not either you're spontaneous and present or you're taking care of the technical demands of your situation. It's, it's doing what's required in, in an environment that may be very loose, improvisational, like curb your enthusiasm, where you're just given the idea for a scene and then you're let loose to play and improvise, or something much more demanding with green screen or, uh, you know, very, very technical work. You still need to be fully present and ready to seize upon whatever might change or might occur in the scene, to make use of it, respond to it, know how you feel about it, and maybe create a new moment. Right. It's the synthesis of form and content. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like doing all the doings but still having the life, you know. I think that's true artistry in acting. But, you know, I'm also fascinated of certain things that happen by accident or they come to you and they find a a key. I often hear actors talking about a little key that maybe they're struggling with. Uh They're doing all the stuff that we talk about, perhaps, and and all the stand. And then there's, you know, Gary Oldman talks about when he worked on Dracula. Mm -hmm. He says that it's just sometimes it's just a line that actually causes all the dominoes to fall Mm -hmm. and triggers the character in him mm-hmm. and you know he said that in dracula his one line when he read it he was worried you know i'm playing dracula this is huge part in in literary history and working with francis ford coppola and he was pulling his hair out about how to go about it and which things to try and developing his character and then he read it and read the red script and then suddenly this line fell out to him and the line was i have crossed oceans of time to find you which is mm-hmm. a, a line what dracula says and he says mm-hmm. from that he got to rehearsal knowing the sound of the character and his yearnings mm. and it all kind of place. Now I'm, I'm sure he had to do all the other things like bring our truth to it and empathize and connect and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. he, that kind of synthesized it for him and he kind of knew, okay, I know what playing field I'm, I'm in now and I yes. know roughly the terrain that I'm not going to go away from, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then Willem Dafoe in Wild at Heart mm-hmm. talks about a, a, a shift that you've got to sometimes invite a shift to to trigger you and, and, and to sort of bring you out of yourself that you you kind of and this is a sense of play that you're talking about, Andrea, mm-hmm. and the fantasy and all the rest of it is this is where it becomes childlike. And he said, you know, I got his jacket and his boots and it kind of like made me CD, feel CD when he's 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 playing the character of Bobby Peru mm-hmm. in Wild at Heart. And if you remember such a great it, movie. Oh, it's crazy movie. Yeah. Love it. And he said, like, you know, I was it was going, but it wasn't really, I wasn't, the stars weren't aligning. And he said he got these, these teeth. I don't know if you remember his teeth. They were gold teeth. They were that he had to just put in <laughs> over his teeth. And he said he put these teeth in and he looked in the mirror and he, he his teeth made him grin in a certain way. Mm. From there on in, he got a walk. He delivered the lines in a different way. Mm-hmm. And these are sort of things that fall into place and they're little things. And, and you know, I wouldn't advise that you, you know, this is the only thing that you do, but it's just fascinating how perhaps this is the icing on the cake for them. Um, and it can happen surreptitiously, you know. I love the story of, you know, people who have steady collaborators in the preparation process in developing the character, whether it's a director and, and performer or, you know, Meryl Streep and Anne Roth, the costume designer, is one of the top costume designers in Hollywood for so many years. You know, they've worked on so many films together and they've talked about the development of the character as they work on the wardrobe. And, uh, you know, and I know for me and many others, when I find the right shoes, then then I'm in the, on the right path. <laughs> You know, sometimes it really is just a little thing and sometimes it's just a beautiful, you know, you plant some seeds and you discuss and you play around uh, with a collaborator or with yourself in your cabin and, um, and it's, it can just spring such, such beauty. 
yeah, get your inspiration from from all the stuff that is integrated in, into the role. And as Brian said earlier, it could be costume, it can be mm-hmm. all of it is grist to the mill, yeah. all of it is yeah. creative yeah. palette. That's right. You know, I mean, another one last thing maybe for, you know, Matthew McConaughey also talks about if he's stuck, he talks about finding this sort of launch pad into a character. And he calls it the character's constitution, meaning sort of, is there an essence where I can grab hold of that? I understand how they operate. And I don't know if you remember the the, the film Dazed and Confused yes. many years ago. It was one of his first films. Mm-hmm. It's Richard Linklater. It's a brilliant film, and it's it's very much it's very American. Or it's, it's set in the summer. It's the last day of school. Exactly, and they go off yeah. for a big party before they go off to university and leave their town. And he plays a, a guy who's not a student. He just goes around partying with these students, and he's quite a bit older. You know, they, these are sort of 18, 19, and he's twenty five, which is a big deal in, in at that age. Um, and he said his line. He said he's he's way in. You know, was he ha- he saw this line and he kind of understood his his constitution and he led his flights. He said he led his flights of fancy, kind mm-hmm. of go from there. And the line was, "That's what I love about those high school girls. I get older, but they stay the same age." <laughs> he said, "Once I got hold of that, I kind of put a cigarette in my mouth. I got a leather jacket. I walked in a certain way." My mm-hmm. point of view just fell into place, you know. It's because it's so elusive as well. Right. You know, until you find it, you might be in the dark next to it, groping for it. But that's the thing, right? It only takes that one little line for the lights to turn on and everything to become clear. Yeah. But it but it really is elusive about, because it's such, it like you said, Gary, it's, it is such an artistic process. It is, that is the art of it. Yeah. There's the craft and then there's the art and developing to the outside person, some other person besides yourself that they're going to believe is you and filling it with life and filling it with behavior is... It's not an exact science. No. no. And it's and there's no guarantee that you'll find it. Right. Right. You, you know, so it's... It, it's um, it's a little bit scary, but it but the scariness is like the scariness of a roller coaster where it's fun. And really, if you screw it up, nothing really bad is gonna happen, especially if you're in a class. Yeah. Yeah. And and you just go for it and take big swings and and hopefully you'll have, like you were saying, Andrea, a collaborator there who's going to help you and guide you. Certainly that's where a lot of people have coaches that can help them look into the script and pull out bits of behavior and and interesting avenues that you might not have thought of. So that's a, a way to go if you're having a struggle with uh, with finding a character. Yeah, you know, and it and it's even like I was saying previously, it's just having an extra pair of eyes on things that are not so taking it so personally, like a coach. Like when I am coaching someone else, I might see things that if it was me who was being coached, I wouldn't see, right? That it's that it's just in that extra pair of eyes looking over and kind of saying, oh, did you see this little bit? And you go, oh, no, I, I missed that one. And that might be the key. It's an invitation to remember, as our beloved Sanford Meisner said, it's called a play. So play, you know, it's, it's so play. It's, it's like fuck around and find something that is a bit bigger than you, not in a fake way, mm-hmm. but just if, because theater, film, TV, everything, it's all condensed and it's heightened. And the art of acting for me is the revelation through behavior. We got to understand people through how they operate. And it's yeah. your job to create a composite of a psychology that shows to us how this person operates and possibly why, um, if it's mm-hmm. in there. And, mm-hmm. and, and that requires us to elevate ourselves in our, our palette, if you like. If we're painters, we've got to sketch it out and we've got to use lots of different colours and then scratch, scrunch it up and throw it away. And that's what people should be doing at home or in this rehearsal place. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and you know, I'm not saying you have to be um, Meryl Streep or, or Philip Seymour Hoffman every time in that you are very different, if you like. But perhaps there's an invitation to that to just play a bit more and, and take some risks, you know, but with the explicit sense that you are going beyond yourself to help tell a story about who this person is and how they operate, which 
on on a, a lot of the time is going to be different to you. But yeah, play, fuck around. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, <laughs> we should move to a section about uh, whether we have seen anything in the past week that has kicked us, or or that we would not want to share with other people, or experience something that that's worthy of of sharing out with the listeners. Well, I was trying to listen to some Mozart recently. Um, in preparation for some work for my daughter. So I, I, I was reminded of the, of course, always the genius, but there's something, um, there's something healing to me in his work. It's like to, to liken it to acting. Sometimes, you know, there's a character and you feel like it's a little dangerous. You don't know, you don't know quite what's happening next and then whatever that whatever that thing is when it happens you see of course of course and i I feel like i get that with mozart too right what about you gary oh okay um oh wait should i give you some time i can go yeah i've got something prepared please for once (laughs) so i am a big fan of podcasts obviously and i think that one of the really great interview podcasts, not just with actors and performers, but with other industry professionals, is Barry Katz's podcast, Industry Standard. And Barry Katz is a manager. He manages comedians usually, and sometimes actors. And he has access to executives, casting directors, um, heads of studios, producers, and obviously also actors and comedians, but he does these interviews in a way that really gets at what makes them successful and what their jobs are in a weird way, which listening to what a studio head does is really quite fascinating because it's a level that you don't really get to think about that much when you're inside the trenches and how the day-to-day work goes and how the budgeting concerns and, and the way projects get greenlit or not is is incredibly interesting. So I and there's a there's a wealth of podcasts there. I would highly recommend going and and listening to to uh Barry Katz's podcast Industry Standard. So that's my tip for today. Thank you. That's yeah. I I have not known that one. I'm, uh, yeah. So that's great to know because I'm 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 a bit behind on podcasts. So the other one I would incredibly highly recommend is uh, the Kevin Pollock's chat show, um, which is really great. Kevin Pollock, the actor and comedian, okay, and he does incredible interviews with mostly with comedians and actors, although he does have other people there. But it is the kind of inside baseball talk you mm. want as right. as an actor. You want to hear this kind of inside baseball talk. They talk often about what it's like to be working as an actor and on the like what it like what it means to be number one on the call sheet, what it means to go in on uh network tests and things like this. They're, they're just really great actor-to-actor interviews. And, uh, and I don't know, he stopped doing them, I think, a year ago, something like that. And, and, and I think the last 50 were outside of a paywall. But if you can get them, uh, they are just fantastic interviews. Really, really great. They're long. They're like an hour and a half long, but they're really great. Sounds good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I highly recommend. Cool. cool. What about you, Gary? Have you thought of anything? Yes. Um, There's a piece of music, and I hope I pronounced this right, by, uh, I don't know whether it was Finnish. He's certainly that sort of Northern European, Scandinavian or Finnish, and his name's Arvo Part, and it's Spiegel im Spiegel. Mm. And you know that, Andrea? Yes. Yeah, and it's a very sublime, gentle Mm-hmm. piece of music and it, it's it's so sort of delicate that it's all it's you know it's one of these very delicate pieces that's almost heartbreaking and it's it's mm-hmm. but it's also very uplifting in its melancholic sort of feel for me and uh, i've put it on um repeatedly over the last sort of week just in, mm-hmm. in spurt uh, mm-hmm. maybe taking a bit of time out and i'm on my balcony or going for a walk and it's it's been able to get me out of the sort of technology uh, prison um, that I've been in with work and, mm-hmm. and, and 
and I, yeah, it's a very sublime, yes, delicate piece of music. Um, yeah. So I recommend that by Arvo Part Spiegel M Spiegel, yeah. I think it's called. Yes, Spiegel M Spiegel. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, lovely. Oh, I have right. so many things to check out now. I'm excited. I love it. Great tips, you guys. Really quickly, uh, my friend, this amazing voice teacher, Evelyn, if you want to find Evelyn Edwards, you can find her on Instagram at Evelyn, that's E-V-E-L-Y-N, Edwards, and then the number one, at Evelyn Edwards one. She's on Instagram. She's gorgeous and talented and very funny, and we hope to have her here soon. So please give Evelyn a shout out as well. Excellent. So we also want to hear from you, what you think about character, what your ideas of character are, what you do to get into a character or to find a character. We want to hear about all of that stuff, questions you might have, or specific problems you might have getting into character, or anything else related to acting. We're always looking for topics. We love hearing from our listeners about their issues and their challenges and their triumphs. So let us know. We're at Vagabond Actors on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook, or you can go to our Podbean page, which is vagabondactors.podbean.com. You can also get in touch with us as individuals. Uh, my name is Brian Casp, and I am at Brian Casp on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. What about you, Andrea? Where are you? Where can people find you? I am on Instagram at Andrea Helene three and on Twitter at Andrea underscore Helene. And I'd love to hear your questions. So find us. Gary. Yes, I'm on the Holy Trinity uh, of social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Gary Condes. But best to get in touch with me through my contact page on my website, garycondes.com. That's C-O-N-D-E-S, garycondes.com. Thank you very much. Max now for Gary Condes. (laughs) Gary Condes going fast. Don't wait till the end of the week. And now. Get it while it's fresh, <laughs> Gary Condes. Get him while he's fresh. <laughs> before, before we've done a hundred podcasts. All and, right. All Take right. care. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, share this podcast with your friends. Like us. Uh, rate us on iTunes and Spotify. And until next time, be well, stay safe. See you soon. Bye. Bye.